Come, Lord Jesus, and teach us to pray. Amen. You may be seated. So we've got to make sure we don't miss this, this little detail at the very beginning that Jesus was praying. He was praying. He's off on a mountain or a hillside somewhere. He was praying, and they saw that, and that's why one of the disciples comes and says, teach us to pray. So as the Lord begins to teach us to pray, it's not in abstract. He's not just teaching us principles and theories about prayer in a classroom or a laboratory. Jesus teaches us to pray out of His own lived prayer experience. Jesus teaches us to pray out of His own heart-to-heart conversation with His Father. Now, when we think to ask teach us to pray, sometimes our mind immediately goes to things like the methods of prayer. We want Jesus to teach us methods, techniques, what times of day to pray, what posture to take, how to hold your hands, or the words and the phrases that we should say. That's what I mean by the techniques. And and the reason why we want that, because then, well, now we know what to do. I know what to do with prayer. We could learn how to master those techniques and that vocabulary. We could become experts in prayer. And then I'm in control. I'm in control, right? I, I am making happen everything that's happened. I can manipulate the prayer. I can sort of pull the prayer lever and voila, things happen. And see, this is precisely why Jesus does not teach us about the mechanics of prayer. Even as he gives us the Lord's Prayer, it is not so much a scripted prayer that we then memorize and then mindlessly recite. In a sense, Jesus doesn't teach us how to pray. He teaches us the who of prayer. Prayer is a relationship. Prayer is a relationship. And so Jesus gives to us what no other prayer master teacher guru, spiritual guru, could ever give. He gives us his Father. And it's interesting, in the chapter just prior to this, Luke chapter 10, Jesus told his disciples this, all things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. See, there's the gift. Jesus is choosing to reveal to us His Father. Now, we know Him as Father through creation. God generates all life, including your life. And in the Old Testament, God revealed Himself in fatherly terms. He called His people Israel, my firstborn son. But Jesus reveals Him as the Father fully, as only Jesus can. Why? Because He is the eternal only begotten Son of the Father, as we'll say in the Creed in just a few moments. What does that mean? Without a beginning in time, there was never a point when He was not. Without that beginning in time, the Father has eternally generated the divine existence of the Son. And the Son has forever enjoyed an intimacy and a love with the Father that only He can because He is the one and only Son. Now, maybe you're saying, well, wait a minute, aren't we also the daughters and the sons of God? And we are. But not in the same way. That's why the Scripture will often speak of our 
being children of God more like an adoption. Here's why. Because we're not of the same substance. He is God, and we are human. And Jesus is both. When the Son of God becomes human, He bridges the gap. He becomes our brother. And that means, therefore, as His brother, His Father is now our Father. Everything the Son of God has experienced with His Father from all eternity, Jesus is now sharing all of that with us. Along with this, as we heard in our second reading, the obstacle in our relationship with God, which is our sin, what did He do? He took it and He nailed it to the cross. He removed it from us and He destroyed it. What Jesus was experiencing on that hillside that day, in prayer, He's opening that to us. He does not want us to simply just pray His words. Jesus wants us to enter into His prayer. Jesus wants us to enter into His own heart for our hearts to be joined with His divine and human heart so that we can truly experience the Father. Or as He surely would have said in the Aramaic, Abba, which is a term of endearment, much more like our English words, Daddy or Papa, or even Dada. We are on that level with God, that intimate of terms with our God. Now, for a lot of us, our experience of prayer has been more like calling into one of those impersonal call centers for customer service and support, right? You're on hold forever listening to elevator music, and you have to go through a menu of options, which are nothing but a bunch of voice recordings. And if you actually get to talk to a person, they can never answer the question that you called for in the first place 45 minutes ago. No. Prayer is a relationship with your Abba. The thing that matters most in prayer is love. And when it comes to our relationship with God, we must first let Him love us. And that's why in this teaching on prayer, after Jesus gives us what we call the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father, He spends the rest of the time teaching us who our Abba is and His great heart for us. So first He makes a comparison. He works from the the lesser to the greater. You have a friend who comes to you in the middle of the night and you don't have anything to give him to eat. So you go over to another friend and you knock on the door, even though it's the middle of the night, and ask for three loaves of bread. Now, a real friend, and many of us know what this is like, a real friend is going to be there for you even in the middle of the night. But even if this friend is annoyed and doesn't want to get out of bed, if you persistently knock on the door and don't let him go back to sleep, guess what? He's going to get up and give you the three loaves of bread. The word there for persistence is an interesting Greek word. It's more like shamelessly persistent. Like my eight-year-old nephew who stayed with us last weekend. We're having dinner one night, and he finished much quicker than the rest of us. And he says, Uncle Spencer, I want some ice cream. I said, okay, but let us all finish our dinner, and then we'll have ice cream a little bit later. Not 30 seconds later. Uncle Spencer, I want some ice cream. I hear you, buddy, but I said, wait. Uncle Spencer, I'm going to go get that ice cream. And he begins to get up from his chair and walk away to the the freezer. Shamelessly persistent. 
By the way, this actually went on longer than that. And I did give him the ice cream, but I did make him wait also. Jesus' comparison then from the lesser to the greater is this. If you have a friend who won't help you because he's your friend, even if you have to shamelessly, persistently pester him, eventually he's going to give you those three loaves. Then how much more your Abba, who never sleeps and who infinitely loves you, This was what's going on in the first reading, the story of Abraham. Abraham is shamelessly persistent with God, talking him down from destroying Sodom. Now, it seems like shameless persistence, except why is Abraham doing it? He knows the heart of God. He knows that that's not God's aim to destroy, but to save and to be merciful. And this is why Jesus continues and says, so then ask and seek and knock, because Abba will answer you, and Abba will show you, and Abba will open for you. Ask, seek, knock. For what? Anything we want? Let me ask you this. If you come to know the heart of Abba, then what do you really want? Why would you go to him to ask and seek and knock? And that's why Jesus then makes one more comparison. Again, he goes from the lesser to the greater. If any of you fathers, though you are wicked, and what he means by that is you're fallible, you make mistakes, you mess up, etc. But if you still, your child comes to you and asks for something good to eat, like a fish or an egg, what father would give their child something harmful, like a snake or a scorpion? What dad would do that? Of course not. So if the heart of any decent father, though fallible, but still loving, wants to give good gifts to his child, sometimes we want to give our kids too much, if that's what an earthly father is like, then then what do you think your heavenly father is like who knows what you need? If you ask him, he'll give you the best gift of all. And what's that, says Jesus? the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Romans 8, Paul says this, you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. See, the Holy Spirit teaches us who we really are as the children of Abba, who is, as we sang at the beginning, a good, good father. You know what our biggest problem in prayer is? We don't pray like we are the cherished sons and daughters of Abba. But the whole thing works in a circle. Abba, who loves us, gives to us his Holy Spirit when we ask. He will never, ever, ever deny that prayer when we ask for the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes to us and he teaches us how much Abba loves us and then stirs up within us a response to love Abba back. Some of us are so hung up when we say, well, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do that. I don't have the right words, blah, blah, blah. Prayer is a relationship. Stop worrying about all of that. Prayer is a relationship. And the main thing in prayer is 
love. So I want to do my own little lesser to greater comparison. I've been thinking lately about comfort dogs. I'm thinking maybe Trinity would might want to, in the future, consider getting a comfort dog. If you don't know what a comfort dog is, they're, they're awesome because they are this great bridge with people. It gives you a chance to connect with them and have a conversation with them. So we can talk about that another time, but, but as I've been thinking about this and I came across this little video of a comfort dog in training, I would like for you to meet Rachel. Let's take a look at this. All right, now how many of you are like, oh, look at the puppy, she's so cute, I want one of those, oh. I know some of you are going, oh, it's just a stupid mutt. You are heartless, man, I'm telling you. <laughs> Here's my point. If your heart melted over a video of a puppy, think how Abba's heart melts over you. You who are of infinitely greater worth than a dog. Let's take that to prayer. St. Teresa of Avila said, in prayer, what counts is not that we think a lot, but that we love a lot. Not that we think a lot, but that we love a lot. And as I said, when it comes to our relationship with God, we first have to let ourselves be loved by Him. Accept what He says about us versus the things we say about ourselves or what other people say about us, and actually believe it in our hearts. So here's what I want to do, if we can put it up on the screen. I want you to put your name in the blank, and then I want you to hear your Abba talking to you. You are my loved daughter or son, dearly loved, and I am so pleased with you. Hear him say that to you. And after you sit with that just for a little bit, just see what the Holy Spirit stirs up in your heart and what you want to say back to your Abba.